the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise, designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here's your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the last Saturday of the month. That means this is the time for the Align with Zion Hour with one of the finest teachers I've ever met who lives and uh, communicates out of the area called Jerusalem. You know that place. Her name is Anorina Hyman Kreisman, and uh, she has an outreach that she calls the Align with Zion Outreach and uh, we do the Align with Zion Hour. That's where I bring her Orthodox Jewish teachings into play for we Gentiles to glean from. So, Anarina, hello there. Hi, Kev, and a warm shalom, a very warm shalom here <laughs> from Jerusalem. Anarina, as you look at the Hebrew calendar, we know that we're approaching some of the greatest times in biblical history, not only in the past, but leading up to present and in the future. So I'm going to hand the baton to you because you want to frame this in a certain way. My listening friend, grab your pencil, grab your pen, grab grab your paper, because Anarina is going to be sharing some of those, what we call, deep truths. Anarina, go for it. Thank you, Kaz. So basically, by the time that this is going to be broadcasted, we will be right before the day before Yom Kippur, Um, Shabbat, um, Saturday, and then the day after that is Sunday, and that's the big day of preparation. And then on Monday, we will see uh, basically the big, big day. Um, And this is is a very, very important day. So let's just try and figure out what that means. You know the song, Signed, Sealed, Delivered. Uh, That's exactly (laughs) the 21 days of of the festivals because you are signed for your year, Hashem writes uh, what is going to happen for your year on Rosh Hashanah. And then 10 days afterwards, he feels that. And on Rosh Hashanah, about the last day of Sukkot, um, the petik or a small little slip is delivered. They say if you could see with your spiritual eyes, literally you will see millions and billions of little um, strips of paper coming down to earth and it hits every person and it, it's delivered to you oh for what you receive. Um, so that, that's the 21 days. And, yes. and again, I just want to, firstly, we, we've covered this already, um, Kaz. So, so in, in, in this, uh, San Diego, San Diego, um, a radio interview, but also, uh, the listeners can go again to the podcast on a line with the inside to, to, if they want to familiarize themselves again with what we discussed already. So yes. I'm just, uh, giving a quick overview. Um, also, as we said many times, the gates of repentance are always open. Yes. Many gates, most gates are not open. You always have window periods for specific things, but the gates of repentance are always open. But again, we are, we are now in the window period in which you can make such tremendous 
in your life. You can fix things. You can make changes in your life. So, so, and, and it's an auspicious time for that. So we need to grab on to, to see what we can do yes. about that. So, so on Rosh Hashanah, we know that it was Judgment Day. And for the Jewish people, on the day that you stand before the judge, we also said that the one thing that you don't mention is all the, all the accounts that you went through. You just stand there and you say, God, you are king. The That's only right. thing that I want to bring before you today is that you are king. So we uh, focus on that. And then we have the 10 days of awe um, where you still have the power to negotiate. Yes, you can negotiate with God. Yes, you can turn the tables, but it depends all on you. And it falls out in three levels. It's not just with you and God. You can fix nothing between you and God if you do not fix the things between you and your fellow man, because God has given it to us to live on this earth between us. And that's where the biggest fixes need to take place as we speak right now, Kaz, because when coronavirus comes and it tells you to separate and to just get away from people, this is the very time that you will go against the grain of what is, whatever is coming against you and you will go to people and you will make right against even your own grain telling you that, no, you don't want to, maybe they don't even know that you thought these thoughts or whatever. You have to go make right. You have to get closer to people because the world and that which is coming against the people and, and, and God's um, children is to separate them. And we, we're going to have to work against that. Yes. And then we have Yom Kippur, and that is the feeling of your year. That's where he decides that everything, you've had time. You had the whole of Elul. In the month of Elul, he came, he was with you. The king was in the field. He actually coached you, you through your own account to make sure that when he sees you, on Judgment Day, he knows you. God knows you anyway, but it's like, hi, hi, Dad. Um, we've been through this. You sat with me, so I have more confidence to stand before you as you are now crowned as king. And that was the whole of the law. On Rosh Hashanah, we crowned him as king. For the 10 days, we negotiated. And on Yom Kippur, that has to be sealed. Um, can I can I just so, make a quick interjection know? here for my listening friends? Absolutely. She, she's, she's talking about... Uh, 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 the head of the year, um, and the, one of the terms that we might use is the feast or festival of trumpets, the blowing of the shofar, and it's also called Yom Teruah. Um, this is the time where we, this is the, you know, the the final, final, final wake up call, and then she talks about the the uh, ten uh, days of awe, which are the preparatory things up into this major, major time frame called Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement. All, all, all these things, she's using words that you may not be familiar with, but I want to, wanted to acclimate you. And of course, that heads into the great, 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 great Feast of Tabernacles. Back to you, Anarina. Thank you, Cass. I'm a, I'm a hard teacher here. I'm, I'm jumping into the Hebrew because it is the <laughs> Hebrew that, that, that the Bible was written in. It is God's language. It is the language by which he created the world. And it's language that, that, that governs through which he governs. So I'm hard on the listeners, but it's because I want them to learn these terms because that's, that's important for them also to, to align correctly. So thank you for standing in the gap there. <laughs> I call it dumbing our, we get, we get, you got it for we Gentiles, you got to dumb it down just a little bit and then, then we'll come along for the ride. <laughs> 
nobody's done here, Cass. We're all learning. And the more we learn, the more we know that we don't know. So, and that's even a better place because that keeps you humble. <laughs> so I just want to also focus on something we know from the first of law all the way up to um, Yom Kippur, basically our 40 days. But 40 days we will see later also in this um, hour of hours. It, it, it will appear again. So I just want to also... Uh, draw your attention to this, that on the 6th of Sivan, when we received the Torah on Shavuot, that, that, that started a 40-day period that when Moses came down 40 days later, we, he came down into the camp and he saw uh, the golden calf. And that was on Yud Zayn Betamus, one of the days that we fast. And then from that day up to the 1st of Elul, um, he was begging for forgiveness uh, um, from God. It's a 40-day period. And then on the first of the law, again, he went up the mountain. There was another 40 days. This time he had to write the tablets himself. And on Yom Kippur itself, Moses came down with a second pair of tablets, um, and that's also a very, very significant. So we see a 40-day period here. But that's basically Yom Kippur, um, Kaz. Most of the stuff that we have spoken about also, we have covered uh, before, so the listeners can just um, yes. revert back to that. I want to get to uh, the year 2020. I want to get to the point where people are tired. People are, have so many questions. And again, for us to prepare for Yom Kippur and the Days of Judgment, I just want to get into, like we say in Hebrew, the kishkis of the, 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 the deep stuff of, of um, what happened in this year. What happened and what can we make out of the chaos that we see right now? And, and we know that this chaos is absolutely going to lead to the ultimate divine order. Um, so it has to happen. But we just need to be able to find our way through this. And this is what I want to discuss right now, just to help our listeners. So I'm going to go through um, two uh, points, um, but we have one minute left. So let's just start <laughs> us on that. <laughs> so basically, um, Kaz, what we do see is a message that is loud and clear, and that is to focus on the establishment of the true kingdom uh, according to God's governance on this earth, uh, on this earth, because we have seen an irrevocable process that has commenced, and we're going to look into those things now in the next uh, session section to really discuss what does this mean, because we're at the point of no return, and we need to know how to move forward now correctly yes. with God. Yes, yes. My listening friend, I hope you are enticed by this. If you've been following this Align with Zion Hour for uh, approaching two years now with Anarina Hyman, uh, recently changed her name to Kreisman because she became a married woman. Uh, you, you know that uh, Anarina likes to dig deeply, and if you have a love for the not only the T- Tanakh, the Old Testament, and the Hebrew language, then Anarina has been anointed to be able to disclose and and open up those things on our behalf. So thank you for that, Anarina. You know, we're going to be going to a break right now, and when we come back, we're going to talk about actually using uh, the microscope and the telescope. We're going to look closely at 2020 or the Hebrew year 5780, and then we're going to look into what is coming next at a life near you when Anarina and I come right back. (laughs) 
This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. And yes, we have returned with Come Together San Diego and our The Align with Zion Hour with Anarina Hyman Kreisman. And uh, we're talking about some major things, not only that, you know, as the Scripture says in Ecclesiastes, what was, is, and what is, will be. So we're looking back a little bit at uh, this year. Uh, we call it 2020, but from the Hebrew calendar, we're looking back at the 5780, the beginning of the decade of the pay, P-E-Y, the mouth. And uh, then we're going to get into what things may have in store based on our understanding or the Hebrew biblical Jewish understanding of the Tanakh, and that I'm going to hand with that, I'm going to hand this over to Honorina. Lay it on us. Thank you. Chaz, you and I just spoke um, just before we started this uh, session about God's eye being on us and that he's watching us. Um, and as we know that we were in the in year, like you say, of pay, which means the mouth that speaks. But just to remind everybody that we are in the 70s, the 71, 72, 70, up to the 80, in this, this 10 years of the 70s of Israel, where Israel uh, became 70. Now, that also very much is a sabbatical time uh, cycle of God's eye on the land. And that's why we see tremendous things also happening regarding the land itself. But, okay, so let's get back to what we said. And we said that the irrevocable process has commenced, and, and, and what basically is going to happen, Cass, is whatever does not fit this godly governance and poses as a governance and kingship that is not from God, that is man-made, and we spoke about that when, when people are working the system, that will be completely shaken to the core, and we will see it in the prophetic scriptures um, that are connected to these times that we are in, 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 the, in the yearly cycle. So let's look at that. Yes. Now, we also know that with the coronavirus, there's a lot of uh, separation going on, um, and also it's separation versus unification. And separation brings two things. It brings a positive thing and a negative thing, and we need to know where we need to lean on when it comes to the separation. Firstly, God is going to separate things. And we will also see that in a certain verse coming up. Because he's going to separate literally the kernels from the chaff. Um, and that means that you're going to feel a certain way of separation. And that is absolutely from God. Even the whole coronavirus and you can have as many conspiracies as you want if it's started by man or if somebody's trying to use it or whatever. Just remember, man can do whatever he wants. It can be a play completely from God. It can be started by man. God is above all of this, and he uses all of this to serve his purpose. Mm. So if you feel separation in your, in your life, it means that you, there, there needs to be a separation because as we separate things, we can look more deeply between certain things in our life so that we can take the, the bad stuff out, that we can get rid of the bad stuff so that the good stuff can remain. And that's exactly what's going to happen with, with people. So with the separation, we can see that you can extract the good stuff. Again, we spoke about that in Jeremiah 15 to the end of Jeremiah 15. But then also, um, ultimately, that will work to, towards unification. But then there's also a place that this separation, as we mentioned, will try to keep you away from the good stuff 
And that's why you will have to learn the discernment to know that in this specific instance, I have to go to unify. I see in my own life that in this time, people will want to stay in their own little corner, trying to do their business, try to keep their clients, um, because the economy is so strained. And in the meantime, you should go and share with people as much as you can, because as you share, God is not afraid. He will provide for you. But don't try to shrink into your own corner. Go against what this world is telling you to do now. Help other people, even if you think that that might um, um, hurt you financially. God is above it all, and, and the enemy doesn't want people to help each other right now, and this is the very time that we have to help. Um, so, so go against that. So just a discernment to know what to do uh, when. Yes, and then I, want look, to I know to, you want to jump into this, but let, let me pay, have you pay yeah, close okay. attention to what Honorina is saying here. She has actually, actually put her finger right exactly on where we are and what we need to do. I hope you pay close attention to this. And if you hear this as a recording, rewind it about 30 times and listen to it again and again and again. <laughs> Go ahead, Anna Rina. <laughs> Thanks, guys. And then something that we've already touched on again in that Psalm 137, everybody knows the part of, um, if I forget you, Jerusalem, I forget my right hand. We also know that we can see this. If you not focus on Jerusalem, the earthly Jerusalem, which will be reconnected to the um, heavenly Jerusalem, if you do not focus on that, you will lose your your panasa, your 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 livelihood, because at this stage, that is the very thing that's going to be tasted. So, so, and we also go on and we see that he's. Um, they go on and they say two things: God remember Edom, Edom. And remember the Babylonians. But firstly, remember Edom when they said, and the, the Hebrew says, Aru, Aru, Ataya Sodba, to, 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 to completely destroy, to up to the foundation. Remember this word because the foundation plays everything when it comes to the restoration of the true governance and kingship of God into this world. The Malchut, also a word that we've uh, covered is the kingship and the kingdom of God. That kingdom remains on earth, but it's disconnected from, from its position um, in, in, in Shemaim, in heaven. Um, and, and, and that needs to be reconnected. And that can only be done through its connection with the foundation. So the Romans came and they destroyed Edom is Rome. They came and they destroyed the foundation. And from where that foundation has been destroyed, we have seen a disconnected world. God's kingdom remains on earth, but it's disconnected from the way that he wants to rule it. So we spoke about that. We saw the Haggai prophecies in, in chapter 1, where God says, build my house. And, um, and that is going to bring us then now to, to the uh, third part, and that is um, of Sukkot. I just want to get, before we get to that, when it comes to the, to the restoration of the foundation, we know that we have to restore the ancient ruins. Again, we've covered this. I'm bringing a concept that we have covered through the two years right now, Cass. And the first thing is we saw in 1 Kings 18 that Elijah had to rebuild the altar exactly on the same place where the old altar was destroyed. You cannot shift places. You cannot shift times. It has to happen at a specific time. It has to happen at a specific place. He healed that altar. So it means that God's house will have to be rebuilt again right there 
at the place that it stood before. The other thing that we saw is Isaiah 58 verse 21 speaks of the repairer of the bridge. We're going to have to repair the ruins because in uh, repairing the ruins, we will be able to then see the heavenly gateway rebuilt over Jerusalem. So so that's what we're looking at, Taz. Uh, Before I um, jump into Sukkot, if there's anything that you would like to to share here um, before we go on. Well, it just, to me, I I love the whole idea about the, the phases that one must go through, the separation phase and then the unification phase, and at the transition between the separation phase and the unification phase, there's godly unification, and then there's the enemy who wants to call it unification, but it is actually disunification. We're seeing that in the United States now, and probably in Israel right now, too. There are people that you know proclaim they're doing good things and right things, but their ulterior motive is not to unify, but to separate. And so this is a real a, a time where... Uh, you know, when the, the separation uh, is happening and God uses different events, and in, in, in one instance, this could be the COVID-19 thing to, to, to cause the separation. There's a major value in that uh, if we can see God in the midst of that. And then in that, his purpose is to bring his kids together. But the enemy knows that our, our strategy, and he wants to use this to separate us apart from one another. So we need to be cognizant of these things as we go through these things. So that, that's what I, I see, and I'm, I'm just so thrilled. We've got the next segment, mm-hmm. and you're going to talk more about the actual Sukkot and, and the mm-hmm. facets there. Can you see, my friends, how God is actually knitting all these different things together? And uh, Honorina has e- frequently used the scripture in um, Ecclesiastes, that which was, is, and that which is, will be. There's nothing new under the sun. Well, there isn't. God's ways remains the same, but the enemy's evil strategies also remain the same. If you can understand that, you can protect, be protected. Honorina, it's time for us mm-hmm. to uh, to take a break. In the next segment, we're going to talk uh, specifically about the the actual feast festival Sukkot and uh, the relationship it has to us today. Uh, these are things that God wants to train us up in and to have us look forward to some really great things. But in the midst of those great things, there will be challenges as well. And Honorina will talk about those <laughs> when we come right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K Praise. Don't just listen to it, be a part of it at 866 577 2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Hi, I'm Jay On, president and founder of Harvest International Ministry in Pasadena. And I want to make an apostolic declaration. God loves San Diego, and I declare revival and transformation of San Diego. I declare heaven on earth in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise with Cass Taylor. And welcome back to our third segment of the Align with Zion Hour with Honorina Kreisman. And I'm going to hand it off to Honorina here. Thank you, Kes. So again, I'm just reversing back to what was covered already. We understand that the sukkah has to do with a very flimsy structure that you have to put up for seven days. You have to leave your house. You have to go and live in this sukkah. And that just shows you, because that's all the time when the harvest came in and you saw how great your harvest was. 
And in that time, basically, God says, no, it comes from me. And for you to realize that, I want you to go and live in the sukkah. So um, the sukkah also has to have a roof uh, that is so flimsy that you have to see the stars through the roof. So that all your trust actually and ultimately will be uh, with God. This is also very important for the days uh, of the war of Gog and Magog. Gog means roof. And therefore, the roof of the sukkah needs to be very flimsy because in us putting our trust in God, that's the way that he will ultimately also um, take care of the people of Israel, of the Jewish people in the times of that war. But that being said, the sukkah, uh, all of what is happening here is about a house. It is about also um, uh, humility. You have to work to to walk humbly with your God. So, and then I want to get to a verse that we have to always incorporate in our prayers during Sukkot, and that is one of your favorite verses, Cass, yes, um, and that is in the in in Amos nine. But I want to take the the listeners just back a few verses before we get to your favorite verse, so that we can see everything here in context. And I'm going to go um, to start at verse eight. Um, I hope that the numbering is um, corresponding with 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 the Christian Bible. Bible, um, because I'm reading from the Hebrew Bible here, but it says in verse 8, and here comes the eye again, Cass. Behold, the Lord God has his eye upon the sinful kingdom. Now, the word here um, that is used is chet, for sin. Chet, if you come to Yom Kippur and you work to a complete Yom Kippur service, um, you will see that there are many forms of sins, and every one of them are very specific because the Hebrew language defines um, everything, good and bad, very specifically so that you can make a very specific fix in your life, that you don't brush over things, but that you can go surgically in and remove the stuff in your life that, that shouldn't be there. Now, the word chet, for this specific sin, the word chet means that which misses the mark. If you miss the mark, you have done a chet. You have done a sin. You've done something wrong. So here God says, my eye is on the kingdom that is missing the mark. And this is the, 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 the hint that we're going to have to look at when it comes to the times coming. Any kind of governance and kingdom, um, being as royal as they can, being as governmental as they can, if it does not incorporate God, if God doesn't work it, and we know that there's only one yes. kingdom, and that is God. Every single other uh, government and kingdom will be shaken to the core. And I'm going to go uh, take you, uh, God willing, through these verses. So I'm going to go uh, fast now. So uh, we see quickly in verse 9, the sifting of the house of Israel is true separation. Talking about separation there, you see it again. You will see certain patterns over and over again in the scriptures that we're working through that is connected to these times. And then we get to... Verse 11, Cass, I'm not going to take too much time on that specific one, but it has to do, this is the very verse that tells us about Sukkot, and it says, in that day I will raise up the Sukkah. Um, Sukkah of David, why the Sukkah of David? David never wanted his own house. The only thing that he wanted was God's house, and he couldn't bear to live in his own house if he couldn't build God's house. So it's like he says, I'm going to live in the Sukkah until you have a house, because otherwise my house cannot work. So you can see the humility there. But um, it says here that I will raise up 
the sukkat on a fillet, so it, it's, a, it's in a female form, so we know it, it's definitely working on, it, it, it's referring to the sukkah itself. Now, if you know a sukkah, and if you've ever experienced a sukkah, if there comes the wind, the whole thing falls down. You have all the elements. <laughs> nothing is nothing disappeared. It is all there. It's all in fact. You just have to raise it up again. Yes. You just have to pick everything up again. So, so that's why he will raise up something that has just fallen down. Is going to be erected at the end of days again. And then he says, and close up the breaches thereof. This again is in the female plural. And then something very interesting he says, and I will raise up his ruins. So this means that this is not just David's house, but the ruins. Out of the ruins of David's um, um, prodigy will come a Messiah. And we know also that we see in Jeremiah 23 verse 5 that he, it is, he's referred to as a temach, as a sprout. He will, he will literally, it will be a physical man that will come out of the um, lineage of David um, in the in the Jewish context, a man and not man God or anything divine, because he needs to bring the people back to the understanding, like Abram did, to to the divine God. So we see also here something that is collapsed, but all the parts are in place, and God is just going to re is uh, going to re-erect it. We see breaches. We just spoke about Nehemiah, the security that if you if you made the breach. You will have security again. And time and time again, we spoke about the repairer of the bridge, that we are the ones that has to repair the ancient ruins. Um, and again, that brings us to the ruins of King David, that we will see that God will raise it from there. But then it goes on, Kaz, and we get to verse 12. And it says, Lema'an is the Hebrew word, and it says, therefore, for um, so that I can do something else. He's going to raise up this kingdom um, because the one thing that the Messiah has to do, his, his greatest job is to take all, this, all the focus and not to place it on him, never on him. His focus, he should take the focus of the nation and the world in this case and focus it completely on God. He should take nothing for himself. And when that true restoration takes place, it says that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations upon whom my name is called, um, says God. So it means he's going to take people, the nations, will be able to approach and be closer to God again. But here we see the remnant of Edom again. Remember in Psalm 137, if I get forget Jerusalem, that Psalm, we said that it was Rome that, that shouted, Edom that shouted, destroy the foundation. Now Rome comes again, and we, um, um, in Hebrew, when, we, when it's referred to Edom, it's always Rome, which has also a lot of roots in the Roman Catholic Church. Um, that has also, as Rome, destroyed the foundations. So we see here that there's going to be a rectification and that even Edom will come in and a remnant will be saved. Then we get to verse 13, and this is amazing, Cass, because here are the words, the Hebrew words, in days are coming, a time is coming, when this gateway is going to be restored. It says, um, the plowman shall overtake the reaper, the treasure of the grapes, um, 
So the one that sows and the one that reaps is going to be at the same, in the same field at the same time. This is something that we don't know about because, again, we do not um, remember or know what we're missing. When God's kingdom is fully restored, when it put a seed in the ground, it will sprout immediately. You will reap immediately. Right now, we have to learn the process. Why? Because we didn't appreciate the process of everything that God did when he created the world. So he has put the world through a 6,000-year practice so that we can appreciate what has gone into it so that when this gateway is restored, we will see truly, Cass, what this kingdom will be. And God's provision and his love and the understanding of him will be much clearer than what we have right now. You talk about the 6,000-year practice and, uh, the, you know, yeah. a, a lot of things here, this kind of like before the actual consummation of the wedding, they're, 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 they're through uh, wedding practices or rehearsals. Well spotted, because now we get to verse 14. And here we see the, the root word of the shin bit re, um, reoccurring all the time. Now, shuv means to repeat um, and to practice. So, so rehearsals. So here we see, and I will return or restore the captivity of my people, and they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. Now, restore, um, I'm going to read it in Hebrew for you. So you hear the shav and the shvut all the time. And that's the same of Shabbat. You can hear the word in Shabbat as well. So um, I'm going to just do it in, in 30 seconds here. Shuv, tshuva means to return to a prior situation. Le'ashiv is an answer because it fills a hole that was previously created by a question. Shev means dwelling. If I shev, I sit down, I dwell. Shuva is returning to a place or situation where one previously stood. Shabbat, again, is returning to your natural state after you've worked so hard to go to a place of rest again. Shri Yushalayim, in Shake of Your Dust, Isaiah 52, we say Shri Yushalayim is sit down Jerusalem, but it also means to take your rightful place. So we see in this time, God is going to, through our return, He's going to bring us back. And then verse 15 just says that they will never be uprooted again. I'll be right back. Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K-Praise. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. My friends, time goes quickly when you're having a good time. And when we're with Honorina Hyman Kreisman uh, and the Align with Zion Hour, it's always a good time. But it's a good time that you have to receive with open a notebook and pen or pencil. So we're going to do some summary on what we've heard thus far, and I'm going to hand this over to Honorina on that behalf. Honorina? Thank you, Kaz. I just want to come back to the verse 15 that we said, that we said they will never, never to be uprooted again. We saw that this, uh, that God sort of this, uh, told us that we have started that process uh, when the state of Israel, uh, the nation of Israel came into being uh, a little bit more than 70 years ago, that was a very, very good indication that we're about to move into things that you can't reverse. 
But now we are going in the final stages of that. And just like the temple, Kaz, we have the 70 years, but the Kodesh Kodesh, the Holy of Holies, is the last, the last 10 years. And we're in that right now. So things are definitely going to intensify. So, so, so let's try and figure out what we should do. Now, at, on the last day, on Hoshana Rabbah, that's the seventh day of Sukkot. It's a very important day because we said that is when your little paper comes down with, with an onyx what you're going to have for this year. And it's on this date that a third part of Haggai, of Haggai's prophet, uh, prophecy went out. Um, it says on the 21st day of Tishrei, um, the, the last um, day of, of the judgment on Oshana Abba. So uh, in verse 2 here, uh, chapter 2, verse 1 to 9, in verse 2 we say, God says, um, those who came back and remember the, the house, the temple in its former splendor, and they are very sad about that. And then when we go to verse 5, he speaks of the Egyptian exile, uh, the way that he brought the people out of Egypt. That is a very important concept, Kaz, because in everything that we do, even on Shabbat, when we do the Kiddush over the wine, when we bless the wine, we always refer, one, um, we refer back to the creation and the way that God created the world, um, because that's where Shabbat came in. But also, we refer always back to the exile um, and the redemption out of Egypt. Because that is a point that we always have to remember, because that tells us um, a prototype of what's going to happen at the end of the day. So that's why God refers to it here. And, then he, and, and we can see the same in Jeremiah 16, verse 14 to 15. Again, Hine yamim ba'im. Days are coming. We just spoke of in Amos, verse 13, when God says the time is coming. Again, here we see the same pattern of the time is coming. And this time God says, people won't say, the Jewish people have said, for thousands of years, the way that God has brought us out of Egypt. And he says, but in the end of days, they won't refer to that. They will refer to the days when God brought them out of the countries of the north and out of the whole world. So that means that um, the current and the final exile, we will see the exodus out of it. And we're in those times right now. Also, signs and wonders and plagues. So all of that is going to happen, and he says, I will bring you back Shuv. You see the word Shuv that we just spoke about, Shabbat, Shev, sit down, to return to your original natural disposition. He's going to do that. Yes. And then, if you go to verse 6, what's going to happen? So we see a return. We see that these days are coming. We see that it's going to be much more than what it was in the days of Egypt. My goodness, guys, if you read about what happened in the days of Egypt with the ten plagues, it was massive. God says he's going to completely trump that. So can you imagine what is coming? People need to understand how serious it is the times that we are going into. Yes. Uh, would, you, think, would you repeat that one more time? I think my, my listening friends, this, I, I want to, uh, this is the summary statement that you need to pay very close attention to. We're in the thick of times, and God has, through his uh, reverence, shown us these things in, in different forms and formats all through Scripture, and uh, those are to set the stage for now, but the intensity is going to be even increased in that. I want you to pay close attention to this. I'm going to hand it back to you, Honorina. Pay close attention to what she is saying. Honorina? 
Okay. Yes, guys. And I'm going to repeat what you're going to say, what you just said. So let's get there. So we see that um, we are going to come back and we will come back. The whole world will come back to its natural state. And then verse 6, pay very close attention to this. He says, I'm going to shake the heavens, the earth, and the nations. And the gold and the silver will return to Israel, which is very interesting, guys, because over the last year, the shekel has just strengthened through Corona. The shekel does not stop strengthening. It just grows. It just gets getting stronger and stronger against the dollar. And the, and, and the Bank of Israel doesn't know what to do with it. But this is, this is a very interesting uh, thing to follow if the listeners would like to. Now I'm going to just take everything together. In verse 7, um, God says, The glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. So we have the first temple of um, Shlomo of Solomon. We then had Ezekiel telling us what the final house will look like. Ezra and Nehemiah came back and they tried to build that temple. It never worked, but some of the things were incorporated there. But finally, the temple of Ezekiel will be built, and that will be the third temple. And God says it will be greater than the former. And that's, that's what you also said, Cass. We are in a spiral that will get greater. It means that everything that you saw even in Egypt and the plagues, that will come to this world will be more because the ultimate result of God's kingdom to be established will also be much more with tremendous splendor. So let's just take these four points. Well, before you do that, let me just, can I say this, and you can speak to it also? Sure. We talked about the signs and the wonders and the plagues, the intensity of this. But in addition to the plagues, you know, we have to understand there's a positive side and a negative side to this. Not only the plagues are going to be more intense, but God's intervention God's intervention exactly. to his kids is also going to be more intense. So, well, some may deal with this in fear. You need to deal with it with great expectation because God's got big plans for his kids. Honorina? God is above everything, Kaz. Um, it is just for us to understand what the true kingdom is so that we can understand how to align ourselves with it. So what do we see from everything that we discussed today, Kaz? We are in the final stages it is irrevocable. You cannot try to reverse back. You have to go through this. So make sure that you do it with God and that you do it to the best of your ability. Uh, pray before him. Be with, before him so that he can guide you through this. The second thing that we saw is that there's going to be a return to the original state. It means that God is going to bring back the Ramchal, one of the great rabbis, speaks of God's divine order that will be restored. It is the ultimate that we've been waiting for and that he, that he has planned for the world to be. Then we see the spiral effect that we just spoke about, that even this original state will be better and higher um, than, than what we've known up till now. But we know to get there, Cass, there's going to be a tremendous shaking. And God's house, the foundation, and the restoration of that foundation will stand against every man-made kingdom and government. And that's why, just as a hint that we will cover in, in uh, God willing in, in, uh, when, when the time comes in the last part of the Haggai prophecy on the 24th of the ninth month, is when God says, now I'm going to start shaking the kingdoms. And Cass, I just want to get to the next month after this, because you guys need to watch this day very, very carefully. In the month of Cheshvan, that's the month just after Tishrei, we have the month in which this flood commenced. Noah's Ark, and we have to build that ark so that we can be safe with God. 
Because as you said, the flood is coming. Where are you going to be? If you're in the safety of God's hands, you will be fine. Just make sure that you know what that means. Okay, so um, on the 17th of Cheshvan, uh, we're going to see the, the flood, the, the time of the flood kick in. Now, on the 16th of Cheshvan, guess what date is that, Ken? Yes, yes. It's, it's called, in the United States of America, it's called Election Day. Come on. Election day. There we go. The third of November, correct? So, sixteen Cheshvan is election day. The next day, the fourth, when the results are coming out, you know, the results come out bit by bit, and more and more, the whole plot is thickening. That's <laughs> happening on the seventeenth of Cheshvan, and that is the day on which the flood started. So, so let's be ready for that. Let's see what's going to happen. But this time, I guess that the flood case won't be with water. But there are many other ways that this thing can, can strike the earth. And, and, and uh, we have to prayerfully approach whatever is coming. So oh that in a nutshell, <laughs> yes. what to prepare for and to know how to do that. Can. Yes. My listening friends, we're approaching the end of this uh, uh, line with Zion Hour with Honorina uh, Hyman uh, Kreisman. And uh, it's always a joy to have her with us. As a bonus... We are going to extend this to one more segment because there have been some excavations in in Israel, and Honorina has been uh, intimately involved in these, not only in Israel, but also in the area of the city of David. And since this has been my heart, we're going to talk about this in the next segment as well. We will be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego. It's just moments away. KPRZ, San Marcos, Poway, and K29CR, Encinitas. FM 106.1, North County. AM 1210, San Diego. K-Praise. Come together, San Diego, with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Welcome back, my friends. Come together, San Diego. And I have enticed Honorina Hyman Kreisman of Align with Zion to come back for a bonus segment because she has just been uh, excavating, working with the excavation uh, in the city of David and the surrounding areas. And she said, you can hardly believe what we're discovering there. And I said, oh, yeah, well, then we'll set aside a segment for you to talk about this. You know, I got to tell you, Honorina is with me. Hey, Honorina. Hi, Jen. <laughs> You've always been involved with the antiquities people and the city of David things going on. And so you're really close to the heartbeat of that. So I want you to spend some time talking about the things that are newly discovered and recently discovered in the book of Amos. I use 9-11. I'm just going to go there right now and we can talk about it. (laughs) In that day, we can also say in parentheses, that day is this day. In that day, I will raise up again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down and repair the breaches thereof and I will raise up the ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old. And then verse 12 says that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the heathen which are called by my name, says the Lord who does these things. This has been my pivotal verse for decades in my love for the city of David and the tabernacle of David. So I'm going to hand it over to you. What have you been, you've been digging in the dirt again, haven't you? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I've I've had the, um, 
the opportunity to go and uh, help in the, to volunteer in the diggings, um, as I'm not an archaeologist myself. So, so I just like to go and dig and see how we can help. And most of the time, it is, it is always strenuous work, and you just have to go layer by layer. Uh, most of the time, you're just dusting literally dirt off to try to skim the layers and see what you get. And you have to do it very carefully. Yes. You can't just uh, take an action and, and do whatever you want. So um, a few things have been happening. Let's start with the city of David itself. They are now excavating the Israeli Antiquities Authority, is now excavating uh, a house of the first temple period just outside on, in, in the Tyropian Valley, basically, um, of the first temple period. So we know that must be then dating more back to the times of Hezekiah when the city had to be enlarged during the Syrian um, onslaught where a lot of the refugees of the kingdom of Israel and that's the same tribes came to the kingdom of Judah to find refuge in uh, the city of David. Uh, the city was not big enough, so Hezekiah had to enlarge the city. So that, that um, goes back to that time. So we're in the first temple period and what happened is we know that the first um, exile or destruction that hit Jerusalem, because during the Assyrian um, uh, uh, exile, they wanted to destroy Jerusalem. They didn't succeed. But when the Babylonians came, it was a different story. Yes. That was in the time of Jeremiah and the whole city uh, twice destroyed by fire in the whole history of Jerusalem, and that was during the Jewish reign. Uh, so the first time was the Babylonian, the second one was the Roman. So you can imagine, Kaz, whenever they dig, wherever you start, you will hit an ash layer, and that will be the latest during the time of the Babylonian. So the first layer that you always hit is the Roman. The second layer, as you dig down deeper into the history of Jerusalem, you then get to the Babylonian, and you can literally see. You hit the layer, you dust um, dirt, and suddenly you dust ashes. It is a tremendous feeling to see that also. Literally black ash that you, that you get to. And uh, what happened in the house that they are excavating right now, the whole roof collapsed. And so they are now trying to figure out what happened with that. But you can literally see the ash of, of Jerusalem. So um, just to finish off with what's happening in the city of David, and then we'll go on to the other excavation sites. Um, basically, they also are now incorporating archaeomagnetism. And what that basically means is that when um, something burns, when something is heated up to a very, very high degree, the iron within the pottery sort of gets loosened up and it, it's more flexible and it starts to align with the magnetic field of the Earth at that specific moment. The Earth, uh, Earth's magnetic field shifts all the time. It has been charted and therefore if you go to any dig in Israel or anywhere in the world, they, they can actually sort of figure out when was the last time when yes. a kiln or an oven or something was used because they just look at uh, the magnetic field that was ingrained or frozen, if I can put it that way, in that oven. But now how do we know when what happened? And this is where Jerusalem leads again because we know exactly when Jerusalem was destroyed. So we can pinpoint that, and according to that, the rest of the archaeology in the world 
can now figure out what time did what happen in their countries. So what did you find? What did you find? What did you find? We did get uh, pottery. And what is very in- uh, interesting about pottery is that we found on the handles certain um, things imprinted on that. I cannot say what it is because it can only be released by the IAA when they decide <laughs> what when to. I specifically had to dig in a certain hole where we found um, olive pips. So olive seeds. So it means that the moment when I got to it, the archaeologist said, don't touch it, use it, you know, use something else to pick it up. Um, it's very fragile, but what they can do with that is they can use it for carbon dating. The moment when you find something organic, they can carbon date it, and that can also help them with the dating yes. um, process. Um, so that was amazing. We found a lot of bones. Um, um, I don't know what kind of bones it looked like, she bones or something. So these people might have been really eating when the destruction happened. Oh, my. Um, There's an area just, I guess it would be south, called the Promenade, which was uh, functional yeah. 2,700 years ago or so. And, uh-huh. you, you know, some columns and some uh, what they call capitals, or the, you know, the, 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 the crowning portion of the column were, were found, and they were almost intact. And this was happened Correct. fairly recently, but but these are the actual columns that were inspired by King David. Come on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, firstly, Kaz, you can be a dignitary or whatever you want, or you can be an arena getting married exactly at that spot. <laughs> you got so married got exactly married. at that same spot where yeah. they discovered the. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I heard about the capitals on the day of my wedding. Um, it was not um, in the press yet, so I knew that it was there. The um, the head of the uh, organization that runs the city of David, I had the honor of having him at my wedding, and he mentioned that to me. <laughs> so, so that's exactly where I got married. And that's also uh, called, the, the area is called Armona Natsiv, and that's the commissioner's palace. So it's a very prominent place through history. Uh, uh, right now, and I, I want to say it as neutral as possible, we have the UN headquarters there. So th- that being said, I don't want to go. Yeah, we, too much I mean, into that, that, character, that has a lot of different messages as well, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So we will just keep over that. But it's a very, very uh, strategic point. So that happened at the, at the promenade itself. And then. Um, Overlooking where I'm living right now is Ramatra Khao, is the kibbutz, that they've already found decades ago another palace with the same capitals. Um, and they believe that is Jozakin, uh, I don't know how you say that in, in English, um, the king that also um, is from the Davidic lineage. So right. his palace was over there. So you can literally see how these capitals of the Davidic uh, lineage is every time um, featuring in the digs that we find on the specific hills My. overlooking Jerusalem or the city of David. I, I knew this segment was going to go too fast, but my listening friend, I, the, here, here <laughs> I want to just give you kind of an overview summary here. As we approach the final days, the transitional days, Things are going to happen at an expanded rate, an expanded rate. A lot of, you know, a lot of different things you're seeing, um, inventions happening, uh, discoveries happening. And I have a very strong biblical suspicion that these things are going to even accelerate more. So the things that you have heard about are coming to pass. It's not time for you to sit back. It's time for you to dig into Scripture, to uh, get, get 
re- relationally solid with people of like heart and uh, mm-hmm. let God empower you in the midst of that. Uh, we've already expanded the time here, but my listening friend, I am so thankful to Honorina, and maybe we'll bring her back a special time again in the future to talk about some of the literal discoveries that uh, she is uh, finding out and how God is fulfilling building again the tabernacle of David in these last days. Honorina, thank you for joining me on this special bonus segment. I'll be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Well, my friends, so glad that Honorina Hyman Kriesman spent some time with us sharing about the pivotal times in which we find ourselves right now. Glad to be back here. This is actually a pre-recorded segment because I will be in a place called Washington, D.C. during this broadcast. But I thought since I will be in Washington, D.C., I might as well take you along in this broadcast as some of the things that are going on in Washington, D.C., of which I will be playing a part. Not necessarily a speaking role, but I will be there in an encouraging role. The first thing that I want to bring your attention to is an outreach or an event called The Return. The whole idea of The Return is to encourage believers to return to our Judeo-Christian values, return to our God and allow him to intervene not only in our life, but the life of this nation. One of the leaders of this return outreach, which is actually coming to pass on the 26th of September, is Jonathan Kahn. And uh, he and a bunch of other leaders are going to be there encouraging people on the National Mall to actually pursue God, get on our faces, and believe that God is in control. And let's trust God to turn the terrible momentum into godly momentum. It's time to get with uh, Jonathan Kahn and some of the insights that he has about this time frame where the return, quote-unquote, is happening in Washington, D.C. Listen to what he has to say about that from a prophetical standpoint. You will be blown away, and he'll talk a little bit about his book, too, the Harbinger 2 book, which was to be released September 1st. So I want to share a little bit about what Jonathan Kahn has to say. This is an interview that he did with Michael Brown, Dr. Michael Brown recently. And uh, then we'll come back and talk with Jim Garlow about some other things that are going on in Washington, D.C. for you to be aware of, perhaps become involved in through the uh, podcast of the Wellversed Day Summit 2020 uh, by going to wellversedworld.org and look up upcoming events. But you need to move on it right away because that's happening this Sunday. Jonathan Kahn. Just throwing this out, I'm just interested, you know, we have, we have, a, we have the, a disease that is attached to the number 19, <laughs> and COVID-19, and it was attached that way because it came at the end of 2019, but it, is, it exploded in the 19th year, 2020, from 9-11. The Bible says in the 19th year of, of Nebuchadnezzar, he came up 19 years, so you put it in, it's all 19 years. 
And so when you take 2001 and you add the 19 years, the 19th year is 2020. That's why for years, as you said, for years I'm watching this year and saying, is this going to be a year of great shaking of America, shaking America down, um, and the resuming of these things? Um, and so it has happened. And in fact, uh, the prophet Jeremiah, you know, he prophesied of of the judgment coming, of, of what would happen in the 19th year. He's, you know, for Israel, 586 B.C., and one of the things he says that will come upon the, the land is pestilence or disease or plague um, will come upon it um, in the 19th year. How does this all tie in with the return event that's taking place? The return, I've been led with others to call for a day of return, national day of prayer and, and global and repentance, not, not, just, not just prayer. And this is centered on, uh, in, this is going to be in September 26th. And it doesn't matter where you are. And the center is going to be Washington, D.C., on the National Mall. Um, and But, you know, for, for those who can't make it or, be, you know, there's there's restrictions, all that stuff, um, then do it where you are. Do Pray for America at your home. Pray with your church. Pray in a field. Have your own event. It doesn't matter. The return. Um, and, it's, and it's also centered on, you know, the 10 days or surrounding it, or 10 days of we're calling for prayer and repentance, which are actually the biblical days. You you know them well. begins with the Feast of Trumpets. And it goes to it goes to Yom Kippur, which are the days of repentance, day of the Bible. So, so, but the center that Saturday, just before the end of it, that before Yom Kippur, that Saturday is going to be the return. Um, if we don't do this now, I don't know. I, we may never have the chance again. And it's happening. It's not only it's during the days of the May, the 400th anniversary of America, the Mayflower sailing. It's also about 40 days before the election, which I believe is going to be crucial. We need to pray as never before, but we need to pray for revival and return. And it starts with God's people. It's not just we, you know, it's not just we're praying for America. It's got to start with us in the church and each of us for repentance and revival, and God will hear our prayer one way or the other. And, and, and listen, we planned this you know, you, you know, before all this happened to America and the world, this, we planned this. For, we were talking about it for years and planned this, you know, over a year ago for this September 26th. But it turns out that that day is, is a very <clears throat> special day on the calendar. It's Shabbat Shuvah, and, and that means the Sabbath of the Shuvah means the return, return, literally, the day of return or repentance, return. Yeah. It's a day appointed for repentance, and one of the script, the key scriptures that are read is Joel 2, which says, call for a sacred assembly, a solemn assembly of repentance, and that's exactly what the return is. That is the return. I'm going to be there from about the 18th of September through the 28th of September, the Feast of Trumpets, or Yom Teruah, uh, begins on the 18th of September. I'll be there for that. And then the 10 days or so before between the, the Feast of Trumpets or Yom Teruah Atonement or Yom Kippur, are, those 10 days are called the Days of Awe. This is a time where God's believers need to realize what's happening. God's about ready to open his judgment books, and we need to have our hearts and life ready for what we're going to see there. He wants us to be repentant. He wants us to be resilient. He wants us to be believing. He wants us to be uh, forgiving. He wants us to be interceding for others. This is a remarkable time in God's calendar. And then once the Day of Atonement is concluded, then we have a period of time before the actual biggest feast in the Hebrew calendar year is called the Feast of Tabernacles. So that's happening in 
Washington, D.C., and in your own house and in your own heart as well. Didn't uh, Jonathan Kahn blow your mind with all the insights of what are going on in Scripture and in the real world today and how they are dovetailing with one another? You know, God is really on the move, and we need to be aware of the things that he's doing so we can not only embrace it, but we can encourage others to embrace it as well. We are in vital, vital times. It's time for us to not only speak up and lift up Jesus, but to put ourselves on our knees and pray for intervention by God and my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven, and I will heal their land. God wants to do that in the United States of America. He wants to do that with Y-O-U. Here's Jim Garlow with some insights about what's going on on September 27th in Washington, D.C. It's called the Well-Versed Day Summit 2020. You will be amazed and able to access more about it by going to wellfirstworld.org and then uh, clicking through the website and finding the summit information. Well, friends, it's good to have General Jim Garlow. I call Jim Garlow General Jim Garlow because in his days at uh, Skyline Church, I saw him as one of the leaders of leaders that everybody could go to and... uh, he would uh, give them his insights, and they would uh, wear it on their sleeve. So I think highly of, of Jim and Rosemary, his wife. We are talking about a venue that Jim is going to be doing in Washington, D.C., following right after the return, Jim. Yes. And so is this part of the return, or is this something ancillary to it? No, it's totally separate. Now, Kevin Jessup who organized the returns, a very, very close buddy, and he's fully aware of all this. I've been processing with him all that we're doing. He's a close friend, but it's completely separate from the return and is sponsored by Wellversed. Very good. Okay, why don't we start with you just giving a little bit of quick, just quick history, because I want to dive into the things you're going to be sharing at the conference. Just a little brief history of Jim Garlow and the ingenious Wellversed concept. Wellverse is a ministry that brings biblical principles of governance to government leaders. Everybody tends to understand that the Bible speaks to personal issues, uh, family issues, speaks to church or congregational life, but few Christians seem to understand the Bible speaks very specifically to issues of civil governance to the extent that civil governments will follow the scriptural principles to that same extent We can reduce human pain, suffering, and poverty. But to the extent we violate, civil governance violates biblical principles of governance. To that same extent, we will increase human pain, suffering, and and poverty. More insights from Dr. Jim Garlow when we come right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on KPraise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on KPraise. Frank Harper, pastor in North County. We need more of God this time than we've ever needed him before. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on KPraise. Jim, tell us more about your book, and your vision for the book entitled Well-Versed, Jim Garlow. Well, 
I, I want to make an offer on the book. If a person just buys, buys one book, I'll make it difficult. They'll pay, they'll pay retail price. But if they'll buy from me a case of them, uh, like 18 to a case, I'll sell it at my cost with no profit. They can just contact Pam at wellversedworld.org. Pam at wellversedworld.org. Now, now, why? Why are we doing that? Because we want to help people know what the scripture says about every topic. Every single person has a sphere of influence. It may be huge in the millions. It may be small in the five or ten. Whatever it is, it's important. It's important to God. He ordained us with influence. Influence is a gift from him. And we want to steward that. It doesn't belong to us. It's a gift. So we want to steward that. That means carefully manage or take care of that, which is not ours, that gift. How do you do that? By being articulate on the things of God, the ways of God, the commandments of God. We, if, when people walk in the ways of God, it releases blessing. When they violate them, it releases curses. When a nation walks in the ways of God, it releases blessings upon that nation. When it violates the word of God, it releases horrible things upon that nation. Nobody likes curses. Everybody likes blessings. So we want to walk in the blessings of our Lord. And we can do that even in our communities and nationally. There are, there are principles, for example, uh, biblical principles of economic prosperity for a community. That when a community violates those scriptural principles of economics, disaster comes upon the people. In contrast, when people follow the economic, the biblical principles of economics, scripture, what scripture? But people don't realize that 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 economics is not some topics of some some guy who, who's geeky who's off in some corner office. The scripture, God cares about the prosperity of a nation. He cares about peace and tranquility in our community. He designed us to long for that. And he gives us the word of God to experience that. So every person can, can understand these principles. The book is written easy, by the way. See, it's easy read with the book Well-Versed. It's an easy read intentionally written that way. And they can understand these principles and articulate. And it's going to be coming out uh, by, we, we think mid-September, it'll come out in an Espanol. So we'll have our first Spanish version of Well-Versed as well. People can go to uh, wellversedworld.org and they can look at the bookstore and they can find it there. Or if they want it, if they're interested in a case of it, contact Pam at wellversedworld.org and we'll sell it at our cost with no profit. If you'll get it out to 18 of your friends and help yes. them understand these principles and these issues, everybody has influence. I want to refer to what George Barnes said in that survey several years ago. When he was interviewing laypersons, people in the pew, he discovered in the longitudinal study that 8% of people in the pew have a biblical worldview. That means 90, 9 out of 10 people, more than 9 out of 10 people in the pew in America's churches do not have a biblical worldview. And among millennials, it drops to 4%. 96 out of every 100 millennials do not grasp the very things we're talking about. There are 364,000 churches in America. 100,000 are left-wing liberals. So let's put those aside. That's 72%. But 28% of the 364,000 churches in America claim to be conservative or biblical. But of those that have an actual biblical worldview, by that I mean they apply the scripture to every aspect of life. Uh, those would number only at, at best uh, 15%. 
one preacher said to me one day, well, Jim, I don't, I'm not political like you. He was, a, he was doing a put down on me and he, he's my friend. He's still my friend, but he says, I don't, I'm not political like you. I said, uh, I'll call him Bill. That's not his real name. I said, Bill, my concern with you is not that you're not political. I'm not asking you to be, I, I'm asking you to be biblical. I said, let me give you an illustration why I'm saying this. If, if I were a slave and here was 1860, would I want my slave owner to go to Jim's church or Bill's church? The answer is Jim's because Jim will address the evil and the sin of slavery to get that person set free. Or if I was the baby in the womb of a 14-year-old girl who lived next to Planned Parenthood, if I was that baby, would I want my birth mom, would I want her to go to Jim's church or Bill's church? The answer is Jim's church because Jim will talk about abortion specifically and attempt to save the life of the baby. That's not being political. It's being biblical, scriptural, as God sees the world. Yes. Jim, you, you know the globe. It's a crazy place right now, and I want to zoom in on uh, the United States of America and your heart cry to instruct governmental officials about godly things. What's your take on the United States of America from a governmental standpoint? Here we are approaching elections, and uh, it seems like there are a lot of people that claim, you know, we will pray for you, and this is every deny, every uh, every government party will will say those words but some have more weight than others because some of them are just using it as talking points what's your assessment of the the spiritual state of affairs in washington dc and what do you recommend for those of us who are not living or uh, governing from washington dc what can we do about it prayer is one thing what else can we do First of all, they're, they're, it's quite encouraging among members of Congress. Uh, we only see uh, there's 535 members of Congress and 100 senators and 435 members of the House of Representatives. But people only see five or six or seven of them on the news. They make all the news. And some of them are, are, are whacked. Uh, they're, they're, their thinking is absolutely irrational, cannot be explained in normal, rational components. Uh, however, there are probably more godly born-again believers in congress than perhaps any time or at least in recent history are we talking I, both i'm talking yet? among the republicans i wish we were talking about both parties there is there's hardly any there's hardly any democrats that will stand for such a thing as life in the womb there was one or two or three i don't know if there's any left in the house i think there's one left in the senate of the democratic party I wish they would how, how can how can a person say they're a Christ follower, and support ripping a baby to shreds as it comes down to birth canal. It's not because we don't talk about abortion because we're single-issue people. It's the foundational issue. If a baby can't make it down to birth canal safely, other liberties make no difference. They just don't count. And, and then those who legalize sodomy destroy the definition of marriage, the foundational building block of all of humanity for the last 5,000 years. There were... A few Democrats standing for that. Uh, they're virtually, they're, they're literally, uh, Daniel Lempinski just lost an election. Uh, they're, they're, there's almost, I don't think there's any any left in the House that I'm aware for that are legislatively visceral for the biblical principle of one man, one woman marriage who labels himself a Democrat. The issue is me, is not Democrat versus rubber. It's not, it's not Republican versus Democrat. It's not even right versus left. It's right versus wrong. 
the, the party alignment is of little consequence to me, but the body of belief or policies or principles, that's the big deal to me. Uh, Jesus is my savior. No party is my savior. Donald Trump is not my savior. He's my president who I support, but that he's not my savior. Jesus is my savior and Jesus is king. Uh, the fact is in D.C., among, uh, uh, let's say, the Freedom Caucus, there would be many of those who are born-again believers and have a vibrant testimony and are passionate about, about the things of the, of the Lord. People forget there's 511,000 elective offices that we're going to be voting on in November, 511,000 across America. Most people do not take the time to get, to get equipped. In fact, if I did a survey right now, the people listening to this, and I ask this question, who's running for president? Okay, they're going to know that. Who are the vice presidents? They'll know that. Name your congressman. You'd be shocked at how many don't know that. Name your two senators. You'd be stunned at how many. Name your state representative or assembly person if you're in California. How many do not know? Name your state senator. Almost nobody knows. Name your, and we keep working on down. They don't know. And we're, we're commanded to pray for these people. Well, you can't pray for the people you don't know, not easily anyway. And on top of that, Romans 13 says the government is to be the minister of God. That's the phrasing. It comes from the word diakonos in the Greek. The government is to be the minister or servant of God. Now, in a monarchy, we the people have no influence uh, on how the government is shaped. But in a constitutional republic, that votes democratically like we do, we, we, we can express ourselves. We, the people, form the government. We're responsible if the government obeys what its calling is in Romans 13 and in our Constitution. Don't go away. Jim Garlow and I will return. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on Praise. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise with Kaz Taylor. Jim Garlow. Jim, Jim, do you have much hope uh, in uh, human nature, uh, though many are influenced by God? Do you have, what's your thought about the upcoming elections and what does God need to miraculously do uh, for the uh, you know, Judeo-Christian values to survive. Well, it was truly a miracle when Donald Trump was elected in 2016. Hillary didn't expect it. Trump didn't expect it. The world didn't expect it. But he was elected. And you and I watched as right at 9 p.m. I was I was there in Washington, D.C. I was right by the Supreme Court, across the street from the Supreme Court. When at 9 p.m. they were giving the percentages of chance of Trump elected at 9 p.m., all the betting in Las Vegas suddenly switched Trump and stunned the whole world. 9 p.m. on the day of the election. What was that? It's called a miracle. It shocked everybody. Yes. Frankly, we're going to need that again. We've had four years, almost four years, of President Trump. Uh, in, in the interest of full disclosure, I've served as a part of the White House Faith Initiative. I've, I've been with him six or seven times. I will say uh, this, that he has honored his word as a character issue. He has kept promises he didn't even make. It shocks us because we're not used 
to a nationally elected figure keeping their promises. I mean, checking them off one at a time. He's also, the, the economy is not an extraneous issue to our faith. As I've already indicated, that's a biblical issue. He has moved by biblical principles of economics, even though he may not have actually known they were biblical principles, I don't know. And that's why we had, and have enjoyed at various times, the tremendous health we have. He has blessed Israel. That's why we've enjoyed many of the blessings. We have, he's blessed Israel in a way, and we've got the repercussion of that positively. He's done so many of those kinds of things. Now, can he be reelected? Will he be reelected? I don't know. It depends on probably, quite frankly, unless it changes, on Arizona, Florida, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Minnesota. Those six key swing states. Probably, I, I, I'm not a good prophet on this topic. Uh, I'm prognosticating in ignorance, not in huge knowledge, uh, but probably the election will be determined at this point, we think, by those six states. That could change, uh, and will probably be determined by very few votes. If the election is honest and not fraudulent driven, uh, he has a reasonable chance. The, the reason I say that is the polling is there were 261 polls of Trump versus Hillary. 245 of them had Hillary winning. 16 of them had Trump winning. Trump won. So how good is the polling? Well, apparently not very. Is it more sophisticated now? And are the Democrats more angry? I've never met a Democrat excited about Joe Biden, but I've met plenty of Democrats who hate Trump and even a few people who call themselves Republicans who are never Trumpers. And they're all they're known is what they're against because they don't like his temperament and they don't like his tweets. They need to get over it. The policy issues are going to make or break uh, America. Now, there is a percentage swing point, I think, I think that we have to watch and watch carefully in this polling. That is, I'll give an example. When we voted on marriage in 2008 in California, we knew that there was a certain percentage of people that if they, <clears throat> in the polling, if they said they were going to vote for same-sex, so-called same-sex marriage, there any such stuff, but same-sex marriage, according to them, that about 6% of them were lying. Once they got in the voting booth, they would vote right for one man, one woman, a historic, biblical, orthodox marriage. Why? They were afraid of being bullied if they let anybody know. Now, is that same thing – by the way, on the day of the election, we were dead tied on Proposition 8 for defending marriage. We knew we had won it because by the polling, there's a people who simply won't tell the truth about it. And we won by 4.6 percentage points, even though the poll said we were completely tied. Now, on this Trump factor, I suspect this is just a guesstimate. This is one man's opinion, so I don't want to overstate it. My gut feeling is there's about a 4% swing between those who say they're going to vote for Biden and who end up voting for, for Trump because they're afraid of being bullied. They're afraid of being even telling somebody over the phone who they're going to vote for because they can be fired from their job. They can have their car keyed. They can have threats, etc. This is my impression. If we're within four percentage points in these various states, <clears throat> that's striking distance for the day of the election. What we're really going to need, though, is not all the stuff I'm saying. What we need is supernatural intervention of God. If Biden is elected, America, as she has been known for 244 years, is over, period. 
And so we need an intervention from God to see this nation preserved. She's been a carrier of the gospel to the world. She's been the philanthropic force of the world with all her flaws, with her national sins, whether they be slavery or, or whether they be violation of Indian treaties, which are indefensible, or abortion or destroying marriage. With all the sins of this nation, she's still been mightily blessed of God, and she's been a safe haven for Jews, which is one reason God has blessed this place. And she has stood with Israel, and that's another reason God has blessed her in a remarkable way. So with a supernatural intervention of God brought about by fasting and praying by millions of Christians, I pray we will have good news in the first week, for a few days of November of this year. Yes, yes, yes. Jim Garlow, would you take 60 seconds to pray or speak to our listening audience to be a voice of encouragement to them, us, and then I'll let you go. Before you do, a quick uh, elevator chat of first day summit 2020 you're talking but mention it here at the close and then uh, i'd like you to focus about a minute's worth of time uh praying for blessing and encouraging our listening audience yep. go to wellversedworld.org and scroll down on the home page and they'll find information about the one day wellversed day summit 2020 which is september the 27th sunday washington dc top floor of Museum of the Bible, um, an incredible museum. Now, unfortunately, we have very few seats there because of COVID restrictions, but people can go to our website or wherever and find, find us, locate us, and they'll be able to join us by simulcast for that day as we cover so many topics from 8.30 a.m. till 5 p.m. on Eastern time. I know it's very early for the, for the West Coast. And then I'll pray right now, Father God, I pray for supernatural intervention in America right now, for your hand to come down and to do what we have not ever even seen before. I pray for a spiritual outbreak of renewal to sweep this entire country. We're long overdue for a renewal. We haven't seen a big national one, Lord, since 1972. It's time, Lord, for a fresh new Jesus movement. Would you release that across this land? And I pray for believers to be emboldened, make them loving and tender and respectful of those who want to argue with them, cause them to have clear thinking so they can see the issues about which I'm speaking, and give them articulation skills to verbalize that to those around them. May they not back down. May they keep a smile on their, place, on their face, a gentle spirit, loving and tender to those who would abuse them, but still keep pressing forward with truth because we carry ultimately the banner of the truth of God's word. And we declare the kingdom over America, the kingdom over America. And a kingdom needs a king. We declare King Jesus over America, first over us as individuals. May the kingdom manifest within us. And then around, may it just splash out on all those around us. May the murderous spirit of abortion be brought down. May the spirit of sodomy and vile sexual activity may be brought down. We come against these demonic forces. And we speak holiness and righteousness and godliness 
and hunger for truth to penetrate our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, thank you, Jim. I appreciate your insights. My listening friends, I hope you're realizing that we are at a pivotal place in the United States. Not only do we need to have to rise to the occasion, but God wants us to bow to him and none other. Well, my friends, there you go. Another Come Together San Diego broadcast. Another desire for us to share God's truths with you and encourage you and empower you. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are in vital times. God wants us to hear his voice and obey, to turn our hearts and lives over to him. No compromise. This is not a time for compromise. As usual, it's a joy sharing with you the insights that God gives us here at Come Together San Diego. God bless you from Come Together San Diego. Bye now. Thanks for joining Kaz Tater and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all come together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on K-Pray.